be the fucking team that puts on four tries, score four tries. There's nothing better than scoring another one. It's fucking good fun. I'm getting all fired up. I'm all fired up and lonesome. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to you wherever and whenever you're listening to this episode of Fire Up. I'm Dennis Carnahan, once again online with Chris Gale and Redfern Pat, coming to you on the Diamantina Podcast Network. Of course, please subscribe, share, rate, join our Facebook community, Blowing Up Deluxe, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter, Fire Up NRL. It's Lockdown Week 7, Crackdown Week 13, the crackdown that started with a whimper in Round 9 where the referees hadn't read the memo, but came crashing home in Week 10, Magic Round, when the three outright send-offs, 14 sin binnings, and a whopping 25 players placed on report. Now here at Fire Up, we're always ahead of the curve. We're always on the cutting edge, and we're calling it week three of the backdown. We called it three weeks ago when the Chief Operations Officer, Felix, said he was adjusting the levers to rationalise the crackdown. And now, only now, three weeks later, actual friend of the show and repeat guest Warren Smith on Rupert Vision has called it the ratchet back. Warren! Ratchet might be a cute and demonstrative word, but it doesn't rhyme. It's back down. But when Warren Smith calls it, it is official. We are in the post-crackdown world. A world ruled by lever-pulling, by ratcheting back, by patella reflex actions. And what does it give us? What is the real result of this tinkering and meddling and cracking down and backing down? It gives us the one thing rugby league fans hate more than every other team but theirs in the competition, especially the Melbourne Storms. Inconsistency! There were high shots that got nothing, but more innocuous high shots that led to sin binnings and suspensions! There were head slams that got nothing, but more minor ones that caused penalties! And from this chaos and incongruity, the dark demon of sledging has reared its ugly head. These discrepancies, this disparity, this dissonance leads to only one place for rugby league. Despair. But that despair is nothing. Nothing compared to the tragedy that was announced early this week. To use the words of the great former manly and Australian halfback and poet, Johnny Gibbs, a great sense of tohu bohu has descended upon the rugby league world. Tohu bohu! From biblical Hebrew, tohu, nothingness, void, much like tofu. Bohu, emptiness, desolation. Nothingness, void, emptiness, desolation. Now, Johnny was using it to describe the eel's defence. Quite an apt description, but it's another eel's matter that has left this pervading sense of tohu bohu, because tohu bohu is all the rugby league world can feel after the announcement this week that Peter Sterling is stepping down from commentary at Channel 9. I don't know how I can go on. Even though I barely ever watch Channel 9, he is such a shining light, a beacon of rugby league hope, a candle of rugby league joy amongst the darkness and dim-wittedness of Billy, wow, Slater, of Gal and Cam Smith and, and Sonny Bill Williams. And he's stepping down. Chris Gale, can you give me anything to lift my spirits out of this tohu bohu caused by this devastating news. It'd be my personal pleasure, Dennis Carnahan, and it's so great to be with you again. 
Because, Dennis, I can give you memories. <gasps> memories of Sterlo that go beyond the three images of him running around the old girl carrying or attempting to carry the J.J. Giltman's shield being weighed down by those very, very 80s shoulder pads. I want to take you through some of the highlights of Sterlo's career that will give you that golden glow. In fact, the golden glow of his hair as he emerged as a oh. prodigy from the Parramatta High School system in the late 70s to offer hope and succour to Parramatta Zeals fans who had experienced no joy since they entered the premiership in 1947. What about his tearful retirement where he couldn't go on any longer mm. due to injury? And it was a tearful retirement before everybody cried. I mean, I don't know if you watched the Olympics, Dennis. They were on TV. Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw some moments. <laughs> everybody was crying. They talked about being the Together Games, and I coined this before. Well, Webby's in print, so they'll, he'll accuse me of plagiarism, but they were definitely the crying games. Everybody was upset. Even Thomas Buck. Like well, I see, although there was, one, there was one person who wasn't so much in tears as he was humping the balustrade. That's right, good old Dean Boxall. Oh. But even Thomas Bach was in tears as he said farewell to Tokyo and hello to Paris. Who can forget, I'm sure most haven't, that during one of the Olympic uh, tilts, Hockey Roo, Michelle Buchanan, who was Sterlow's girlfriend at the time, and somehow Sterlow was attached as an attache to the Australian Olympic challenge at this particular Olympics. I want to say Barcelona, but it may well have been Seoul. And she gave an interview about how closely you train as a team that in fact all the players' cycles had come together, and Sterlo was <laughs> Sterlo was not golden on that particular occasion. He was absolutely crimson, and it was a <laughs> it was a less enlightened era where those things were not routinely talked about in press conferences. And all power to Michelle for raising it, but Sterlo's <laughs> embarrassment was priceless. Now, Dennis, the other good news is through the technology, which I'm sure you no longer know. You would because you'd have a. It, it's so long since the Raiders won a competition. You probably have oh. grand, grand Final Triumphs on DVD. Yeah, three of them. Terrific. I've got all the footy show highlights on DVD. It came out as a special package. So I can show you the the, the, the wonderful moments of Sterlo and Fatty, you know, the oh. petite yum ads and eating yeah. chilies. And it's just endless have they got, fun. Have you they know? got the outtakes of the petit yum ads? Because of course they the do. The outtakes are the main part. And who, who remembers that the original footy show compatriots, I believe, were great Steve Blocker-Roach and Bolts Hadley. He was one of the four merry pranksters that began the footy show. These are the memories that Sterlow left, left, leaves us with, Dennis. But to me, the prime memory is not his acute analysis of what was happening on the field. The genius of Sterlow saying, why would I ever want to coach when they're paying me to just get on Channel 9 and just bang on for a couple of hours each week. And amen to that, brother. Look at what happens to first-grade coaches these days, and we'll come to that. <sighs> to me, the highlight of Sturlow's storied career, it's not the kangaroo victories, it's not the origin victories, it's not the Parramatta premierships, it's not the broadcasting career, but for Sturlow on the couch. Now, that was a show on Fox League. Even though there the was no couch. Exactly. The searing one-on-one interviews were absolutely superb. And again, he got them crying. Dennis, yep. in a way, only the league life has been able to make rugby league players cry since. But my highlight was Sterlow was never on the couch. Mm-hmm. Sterlow was on the chair. And at one point in describing how Mitchell Moses, who was then a West Tiger, but Sterlow was clearly enticing him over to the dark side, just wanted to demonstrate how Mitchell Moses played more direct. So he stood up. So he wasn't even on the chair. 
but he wasn't on the couch. These are the memories that Peter Sterling leaves us with. It's a storied, wonderful tapestry of rugby league achievement. And the fact that he's not on Channel 9, Dennis, well, I'm turning off. Well, I've, I was never on there, in the first, apart from Origin. And my, I think my, my all-time favourite Sterloism was about three years ago, and I can't recall what game he was watching, but it was, a, it was a bottom of the ladder clash, one for the purists, so to speak. And about 20 minutes out, <laughs> the teams were even, and Sterlo's has come out completely deadpan and gone, to be honest, I don't see any way either of these teams can win this game. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's from the school of Cooper Croc. They're both still playing footy. Yep, yep. But I, this week, even before the announcement was made, friend of the show, Stephen Russo. Are you familiar with the West worker, Stephen Russo? I am indeed. The Newtown Jets social media guy. Well, Stephen, Stephen put out, look, he's gone completely nuts in lockdown and he's just started doing things. So he's put out Stephen Russo's own personal uh, top five halfbacks of the 80s. And- I was quite shocked that Ricky Stewart didn't make it, but I guess Ricky was there in the in the more of a nineties guy. Um, but Langer was in there, and Greg Brandy Alexander was in there. Hastings was in there, but number one, number one was Peter Sterling. Wow, he <sighs> he really was uh, an anachronism because you you swear the kid was from Cronulla, wouldn't you? Oh, I mean, with initially with the blood. Yeah, he looked like Serbia, but he was a, literally a local Parramatta product, though I think he came from the country originally, didn't he? Well, he, he was another one who, he was born in Toowoomba, mm-hmm. and that's why all the Queenslanders are saying, oh, <laughs> uh, he moved to Wagga when he was uh, less than two years old, and so he grew up in Wagga. He actually would have played against Turvey Mortimer. They were in the same sort of era, um, but he moved to Sydney much younger than Turvey did. That's that's my understanding of it. But it, it it is a great loss. It's a great loss of the game. And his commentary was great. He was the only one that he listened to. And he actually, A, he did have a vocabulary more than about, you know, a three-year-old. And he'd use it. And he was witty. And he was fun. I'm so, I'm very sad he's gone. It's not good, Dennis. And, I mean, there was no, no greater excitement after you wanted to see and understand a rugby league event in greater detail is Sterling going, and if we just pause it here. Oh, no one worked it like him. No one. Can I just point out that he's not gone yet? It's at the end of the season. Yeah, I know, but there's no origin now, so I won't see any more games. Because okay. <laughs> I'll be suffering with Cronky, with Cronky and Woz, the Cronky and well, Woz well, show. Well, it's uh, important that you mention that, Dennis, because the great Ray Rabbits Warren sits on 99 origins, and mm. it would be, be too much of a blow to suffer if both Sturlo and Rabbits stood down at the same time. So hopefully the carrot of 100 origins even, will keep Rabs going. Though the way that Channel 9 operates these days, it's a bit like the Australian cricket selectors, isn't it? I mean, mm. Ian Healy just begged, can I have a farewell test match at the Gabba? And they said, I'm sorry, Heels, your papers have been stamped. Gilchrist is the way forward. Could it be the height of cruelty? Because I think now Channel 9 is run by a bunch of venture capitalists, isn't it? You know, it's not private equity or something. I, I think it's not people. I, I think the word you're after is bean counters. It's yeah, run yeah, it's by not, bean it, counters. It's not, it's not run by humans anymore. It's run by an algorithm. Yep. And, and, and this will be it. They will tap Ray on the shoulder and say, you've had your time. Matt Thompson, come on down. 99 Origins is enough for you, Rabbits. It will be a – well, I tell you what, if Morris <laughs> Morris has got a huge black mark for his handling of the vaccination rollout, <laughs> he can possibly get himself returned to power if he can make sure that Warren gets 100th Origin. It's that important to all Australians. Well, we've established that the coach of New South Wales is more 
important than the Premier of New South Wales, so you'd think that Roy Warren is probably sitting somewhere above that. <sighs> but let's let's move on from there because it's just getting too depressing. Let's go for something a lot more fun. Will Chambers. <laughs> that's that's so much fun. That just brings a smile to the face, brings a joy. This is a man who everyone absolutely hates, except except for Luke Lewis. Luke Lewis believes that Will Chambers is, and, and apparently this is a story. He's if if you're on his team, he's a wonderful guy. He's a really. We've had him. We've discussed this before. He was in the Chamber of Horrors car where he he did the right thing for the game. Generous. He went to see his young cousin from uh, Nullumbia was debuting down at Cogra Jubilee Oval, the home of the Sharks. And he went and watched. And he wasn't playing himself, but he went and watched and he cheered him on. <laughs> and as Corey Norman walked off the field, he sledged him mercilessly. He wasn't even Well, playing. he was getting practice, wasn't he? He wasn't that's, even that's the, thi- that's the thing. I mean, people, when Chambers went to Japanese rugby, apparently that's the thing, would have thought, well, that's it for him. His rugby, career, career is, rugby league career is over. But we are in this sort of coda of chambers, if I can call it that, which is just glorious because he said, well, I probably don't have the foot speed and the hands and the um, grunt to be an origin level player for Queensland anymore. So I have to find a niche in the game. So he's become the king of the sledge. And his dedication to the craft was shown in that incident where he's a mere spectator and he's giving it to Corey Norman. (laughs) Just, just, Just simply... To put the miles into his legs, was, which we heard endlessly was important during the Olympics, mm. so that he can come out and deliver the quality performance. Coming off excellent work against Dylan Walker last Monday or Monday week ago against the Miranda Ringa Seagulls, to absolutely own and dominate the verbal against the, what are they, Vodafone Warriors last weekend. Yeah, because uh, the poor old coach, um, the caretaker coach, his name. Oh, that's just so rude of him. Josh, Josh Hannay. Oh, I just got it. He, he said he wasn't a fan of it. And he said particularly he wasn't so much a fan of it when you're down 44-10 to come out no, and right. start sledging. Then it's a bit difficult because it. you'd think it's so easy to just, as you sledge, and just go, scoreboard. Scoreboard. It's such a simple thing, but somehow they didn't do it. And in that but game because- against the Warriors, because Josh Hannay, who called them, he kept calling them New Zealand, the New Zealand, New Zealand Warriors. Um, you know, they they lost. He sledged and they lost. But the, 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 yeah, but the, but, but the thing here is, and I've always said this about Will Chambers, Dennis, and that is he's coachable. <laughs> he actually got on the front foot with the sledging when the game was still up for grabs this time. And as he was picking them off, like, like, like the poor soldiers getting picked off at the beginning of Saving Private Ryan as they land on the shores of Normandy, he, he, <laughs> he did so when the game was in the balance. And so, for example, when he got rid of, Kane Evans, I think the first time. Canola banged on two tries to get a healthy 18 points yes. to 10 lead from memory, something like that. And uh, so he was very coachable. He was uh, he was delivering when it needed to be delivered and it wasn't his fault. Well, apparently he did miss a key tackle that Cronulla ultimately didn't win the game. Well, and let's not forget what Madge McGuire said at the start of this very show. Scoring tries is fun. It's great it's, fun. It's great fun. Get out and score it's another terrific. one. So, yeah. And people have been... I don't want to get into the West Tigers thing quite yet, but people are criticising Madge's coaching. Who can argue with that? Reminding players that scoring tries <laughs> is fun. It's, it's probably the most insightful thing we've heard in rugby league, I don't know, this millennium. It's I also it's so inspiring. So doing this is fun. 
that's the problem. Maybe we need to we need to dissect that more later. Maybe the Tigers have forgotten what the fun of scoring tries is. Whereas Will Chambers hasn't forgotten what the fun of sledging is. So and this is the, the greatest. One of the greatest was Michael Ennis, simply a pest, Michael Ennis. And he, I don't think he ever had a game where he had one player sin binned for punching him, and another player sin binned, another player given two weeks for the high tackle on him. Uh, DWZ, did he actually knee? Was that into Chambers? Well, why don't I re- why don't I read the the rap give sheet? The, give us the whole rap sheet for Dennis. the game because it was quite. This is again. This is in the week that it was supposed to be the ratchet back and the back down, and we had all this gear. All right, so we're trying to piece this story together as everybody in the world of rugby league is. And interestingly, Buzz Rothfield revealed last night that he rang Will Chambers and said he prepared to do an interview about what you said on the field, and Will simply said no comment. But here Ooh. is the rap sheet. Okay. He's got Kane Evans for punching. Yep. And two punches, and then a subsequent head slam on Chambers. He's, so Evans is in the bin twice. <laughs> He's getting a week plus a $1,350 fine. Yep. Matt Lodge, high tackle, two weeks. Was that on Chambers? Well, um, I think it was. Uh, DWZ, Dallin Watini Zalesniak, kneeing. He's appealing it, but he's getting a week. And all those things hurt the Warriors both during the game and subsequently. And the only shot fired by the Warriors was William Vallea's boot, which Chambers threw off the field and he's getting a $1,500 fine for that. So basically <laughs> the rap sheet reads game set and match Chambers. Now, I know you might, you might want to have to say something about the throwing of the boot, don't you, Dennis? I do. Because the throwing of the boot, this has been, there has been three separate crackdowns, 2013, 2015, and 2017. There has been crackdown after crackdown about boot throwing. It's Ferguson was a – no, it wasn't Ferguson. He was, his boot was thrown. It was Maloney. Maloney was the serial pest who – there's five separate video recordings of him throwing boots. And then there was that one in Origin where he threw the boot in Origin and then poor old Benny Hunt, poor old broken bones Benny, dropped the kick in the grand final, tried to get Boyd Cord- Cordner's boot off. And he reefed and reefed and reefed. And such a big shoe, he could only flick it a couple of metres, but he tried to throw it into the stands. He just failed. And the the NRL, they come out and say, boot throwing, from now on, it's an immediate penalty and a suspension. It's an immediate penalty. They're even going to sin bin it. And again, like this crackdown, nothing happened. They forget about it after a couple of weeks. Is that because they think we're idiots and we forget? Is that because they live in the goldfish bowl? Are we in a goldfish bowl? It just makes no sense. But the carnage, the absolute carnage that you just read out, that was one player caused all that carnage just with his mouth. Well, as we know, Dennis, Will Chambers, through babies arriving and COVID restrictions and bubbles and relocations, he's been in the car a lot. And <laughs> and we know from all road movies, when a man is alone in his car, he gets to thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think Chambers, who I think drove all the way down to Melbourne, then back to uh, the current Shark Park, a.k.a. Netstrata, Cogra Jubilee, or whatever they choose to call it these days, then he was told, you've got to get in your car and drive up to the Goldie, et cetera, et cetera. He's been working hard. And he's yep. come up with some absolutely A-grade killer material. Now, the interesting thing is, of course, everyone wants to know, mm. well, except Paul Kent, we'll come to that, what was said. And that's particularly because it should be easy to say because listen what Matt Chechen said to captain or acting captain Aidan Tolman about Chambers' conduct during the game. Can you do me a favour? I know it's hard, but with no crowds, everything that he's saying gets picked up and he could find himself in hot water, mate, okay? 
So there you go, Match Hetchin saying to Tom, and look, Will's got to zip his mouth because the whole thing has been captured as a matter of public record. Well, I know the NRL, all the journalists, all the news outlets and our own Redfern Pat have scoured the audio and they haven't been able to hear a word. So <laughs> Chambers, I'm saying, and I can't prove this, but I am actually wondering if he has actually evolved sledging into a matter of telepathic suggestion <laughs> so that these players are hearing these things based on Chambers' reputation. We'll come to reputations today. And he's sort of a, a, a tilt of the head, a, a mumble in the lips, and they're hearing things. Just a now, look. Specula- Is it just, just a, a look? look? Just a cock of the eyebrow, Dennis. And <laughs> Evans has, dare I say it, blown up the lux. Now, now, there's allegations around the fact that Matt Lodge is married to Sean O'Sullivan's sister and they're both on the field and there might have been inappropriate things said there and there's definitely lines to be drawn. And in relation to what was said to Evans, Warriors CEO Cameron George said it was something that was very, very, very personal. Now, I think most rugby league fans immediately go to the video with Dylan Napa and suggest that the Chamber said maybe your shadow boxing could uh, do a little bit better. Why don't you try and throw one at me now? But I actually (laughs) sense... But what Chambers said was, I can get you sin-binned twice in the same game, but this ain't no grand final with Stephen Ferris. This ain't no legendary Cameron Munster hit the road jack moment. You're going to walk off in stony silence. And that incensed Kevin's, Evans, and he, and he went the biff. So this, this is, uh, uh, I think, will be lost to the mists of time. But it's amazing how everyone's off him. The Warriors are off him. Yep. Coach Hannay, again, whether it's Chippy or Chirpy Chambers, either nickname is perfect, says, I don't see the value in it. And then apparently there are issues denied between Fafita and Chambers in the Sharks dressing room. So what Chambers has been able to do is evolve the art of rugby league sledging at the same time as losing the game and getting everyone <laughs> off him. It's, 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 it's a monumental achievement, Dennis. It really, really is. The only person who apparently is not off him is Paul Kent, who was suggesting last night on 360 that's part of the game. And as long as he didn't cross the line, and we have no evidence that he did, fair play to Chambers. But what do we think about that? Well, it is it is fascinating that Kenty, Kenty's pretty much a straight talker. Kenty's pretty much a, a straight shooter. So do we have any, any evidence, any recordings of what Kenty thinks about sledging, Pat? So there's no consequence for what you say now. Look, I think you say whatever you like, it's fair game. <laughs> okay, so he's a little bit uh, torn between and betwixt there. He's, he's, he's vacillating. Yep. And if we, can just put, if we can just put a line under underneath this, because Chambers probably won't get a contract next year, so we may as well squeeze the lemon while we can. Kenny also thought that was a correct decision by Coach Hannay, who's moving into the beautiful role of assistant coach to Craig Fitzgibbon next year at the Canales Sutherland Sharks. The decision to not go for penalty goal trailing by two with seven minutes to go was a wise decision because of the for and against situation <laughs> on the table. I believe that your broadcasting colleague, Luke Lewis, looked less favourably upon it, Dennis? Well, I think the, the only thing Luke Lewis said was if, if he made that call, so um, he came out and owned it. He said that this was Mike Hannay said this is my call, it was my decision. Um, Luke said no. If you're on the field in that situation, everyone knows you've got seven minutes to go. You need this win to be alive for the finals. You take those two points because Kane Evans was still in the sin bin for his second occasion. So they still would have had three minutes with the ball after the kickoff. 
scores are even and they've got much more chance. It takes the scoreboard pressure away. But Josh Hannay said, no, 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 we're not going to take the two. I back my boys to score a try, at which point they kicked it on the second tackle into the Warriors and lost the ball, gave away possession. But the beautiful part was, was he protecting his players? That would be quite honourable. And if he came out and said he was protecting his players because his kicker had missed a kick from just that same position earlier in the half, if he was protecting him, Fair enough, but you know, Woodsy said it was his. Uh, it was the coach's call. But the the coach, when he really lost it, was when he said in the press conference, "Yeah, okay, two points down. You know, uh, that was my call. And you know what? I'd do it again." That <laughs> right. was when he revealed himself as an absolute A grade numpty uh, or assistant coach. Or assistant and- coach. And the Warriors, again, were the beneficiaries. I mean, they stumbled over the line a bit like their player, Josh Curran, who's leaving the sideline and almost had a uh, a love affair with the sanitation station. <laughs> that was some of the best and- footage I've ever seen. We were watching that live and it happened real. What? What? That was it's- beautiful. It's a brave editor who doesn't put that to the Benny Hill music. Yes. And, <laughs> and, and when Cronulla had one last roll of the dice, and again, you know I haven't been the biggest fan of the Horsemen this year and I'm mm. continuing to nail my colours to the mask. Because what does Brayden Trindle try and do in the last play of the game? Not, you know, put up a towering spiral torp punt or something like that or a dazzling backline movement. He goes for a two-point field goal from more than 40 <laughs> metres out. I mean, what a damp squib. It's exactly what happened against the Warriors with both Luke Brooks and Adam Dewey for the Tigers doing the same thing the yeah. previous week at Suncor. Talk about adding excitement to the game. It absolutely, it is a game killer, the two-point field goal with no time left on the clock. Because there's basically only one person that I can think of that can do it, and that's me. But also, oh, that's right, Adam Reynolds as well. And so th- the Warriors roll on. Good luck to them. Adam Reynolds, who just this week actually surpassed Eric Sims in the greatest number of points for yes. South Sydney, which is quite an achievement and, and you know, it should, should be acknowledged. But on, on Well, the- is it, is it just simply on that, because, of course, Sims was the guy that they actually changed the rule yes. for. You know, so it, it, how poetic is it that the man who passes him as all-time scorer which is, includes a couple of these two-pointers, he passes the man in which the two-point field goal was originally taken away, low those many years, almost 50 years ago. And then in the most rugby league of manners, he's told by his club he's not wanted anymore, yeah. despite yeah. being born, the raised, heart, soul, etc., etc. But you know what? I mean, you're, you're old enough to remember, Dennis, when if you were tapped on the shoulder by your club and say, you're off to the Broncos. You go, oh, you beauty. <laughs> but now it's like being sent straight to hell. It's The Broncos is now the glue factory for the old Well, yes, as, as, as we know by their head of football, their roster is disgusting. Yeah. But you know what? This, we needed more cheering up after the Sturlo incident, and, and Chambers has bought that. But what bought even more joy was justice being served. One of the most beautiful things in rugby league. It's not a two-point field goal from 40 metres out. Yeah, that's nice. And the, the wingers flying through the air and putting the ball, when, when 98% of their body weight is over the sideline and they manage to get the ball down. The most beautiful thing in rugby league is Jared Wairia Hargraves getting sent where he belongs to the sin bin. Did you? You're happy about that, aren't you, Dennis? Oh, I was delighted with it. And the fact that he, he played for 11 minutes and he got Well, he's a warrior, bit. Dennis. Well, he's, he's a rooster's he's a rooster. warrior. He's playing, oh, yeah. he's playing busted. He's got dodgy hands, both hands. He's got trouble with the webbing, that sort of deal. <laughs> and, and finally, Robbo took pity on the man 
and said, the guy needs a rest and he's getting one. Uh, it was a really, really tough time. I mean, we all feel for the Sydney Roosters. I know you do. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, the fact that in the same game, another warrior, Angus Crichton, has got three weeks on the sideline, albeit with loading, for a perceived crusher tackle on Liam Martin. And as my Roosters friend said, what about Kiko Amano? What about Kiko Amano? <laughs> but I, I don't think we need to feel too bad for the Roosters, Dennis, because uh, it's come to light that in lockdown that Uncle Nick is providing the families with care packages. Oh, really? What's he putting in the packages? Chocolates. Uh-huh. Wine, Ooh. cheese, toys and snacks for the kids, and each package arrives with a ribbon, a personalised card. Thank you so much, Nick from Nick Politis and the Sydney Roosters. And then, just in a little compartment in the hamper, if you just tap it twice, it opens up and it reveals. And this will shock you. A plain brown paper bag. <laughs> and no one is disclosing what's in said brown paper bag. Potpourri. 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 Uh, it could be mushrooms. It keeps them, keeps them well in there. Um, now I'm just, just thinking about uh, <clears throat> Will Chambers and the, the carnage he wrought. I think we might have to go to a song, and there's only really one song that can describe exactly what he did to the game. Listen to that fucking stupid song next door. Boyd Cordner, a poem by Brendan Cow. This is a poem called Boyd Cordner, about Boyd Cordner. Who is Boyd Cordner? I hear you ask specifically. What do we know about Boyd Cordner? We know. Boyd Cordner has always been tall. Boyd Cordner has always been bald. Boyd Cordner has always been great. Boyd Cordner has always been 28. He started playing at 28. He came to prominence at 28. He peaked at 28, retired at 28, and he is still, and always will be, 28. What an age. What a player. Captain the Chooks, New South Wales and Australia, chops you down like a lawnmower. He is seriously the most beautiful tackler you have ever seen. He leads with his shoulder, his legs swing out to the side, severance. Born in Taree, star sign cancer. That crab who always moves sideways. Boyd Cordner moves every fucking way. He will go to Prague if required. If he's got to make a tackle, he will do the 27-hour flight for his team. Just to make a single defensive effort, Boyd will fly to the Czech Republic and back and then suffer the 14 days quarantine. He is Boyd Cordner. 
the modern day Steve Waugh. He is Boyd Cordner. And if there was a proper war and the enemy were firing missiles at our heads and fellow soldiers were either full of dread, dead, or recently diagnosed with influenza, typhoid, trench foot, or trench fever, well, me, Brennan Cowell, in my woolen uniform, heating up the Billy T, but turning blue with cold after being shot, shelled by an army of Melbourne Storm troopers all at once, I wouldn't hesitate. I just yelled two words to the Western Front. I just yelled, Boyd! Then I'd yell, Cordner! Then when he turns, I'd say, Boydy, it's Brenda. I met you once at a mental health talk at Fox Studios. One of my mates was running it. And he'd say, oh yeah, can't really talk at war. And I'd say, Boyd Cordner, no dramas. Do you have any water left in your canteen? Because I'm dying of thirst and blood loss and hypothermia is setting in. And you know what Boyd would say, Boyd Cordner, bleeding from the eye and lice. He has lice, but he didn't tell anyone. He just fought on with the lice. He'd say, what? And I'd say, water. Again, but louder and more desperate, more desperate. Water! And he'd say, what do you say? Let's just say, nah. Because he leads with his actions, not his words. He'd say, nah. No water, Brendo. In my canteen. And you know why Bordy Cordner has no water left in his canteen? Because he already gave it to a bloke with scurvy. He gave it to Tom Travojevic, who has scurvy. Tom Travojevic and his brother Jake Travojevic, they both have scurvy. And the other brother, who isn't as good yet, he also has scurvy. The Travojevic brothers get scurvy every time they go to war. I can't believe it. So unlucky. Doesn't stop them, though. That's manly. That's manly. Boyd Cordner. Hottest girlfriend ever. Though just to be more of an individual, Boyd Cordner can still be seen shirtless in waterfalls having fun with other men. Shirtless in waterfalls with other men. Ikevalu, Takiyahu, Tedesco, the Morris twins. He loves to go to waterfalls with Jake Friend. And why wouldn't you? If you were Boyd Cordner, the selfless Cameron Smith. Boyd Cordner, noggin took a hit. Staggering around, can't see. Fingers crossed, no CTE. Boyd Cordner, too tough to be rain good. Boyd Cordner would have played on if he could. Boyd Cordner loves his dad because his dad, before every game, said, you're the best. Boyd Cordner, what beats within your chest? Before every game he played, dad said, son, dad said, Boyd, he didn't have to say Boyd Cordner because Mr. Cordner was a Cordner too. So it's implicit. He just said, Boyd, son, You are the best. Boyd Cordner, the big game booster. Boyd Cordner, cock-a-doodle-doo. Hope your head's all right. Brave rooster. Oh, boy. After the the opening, I I got a little bit emotional in the opening because of all the goings-on and and Sterlow retiring, but that that's taken another level. This is perhaps the most... You were talking about tears before, Chris. This is perhaps the most... Tear-inducing episode of Fire Up ever. I don't understand how Brendan Cowell does it, Dennis. I mean, he was providing the wonderful begging for bronze segment on the Joel 
Kane and Brian Fletcher show on SEN Radio during the Olympics. He was occasionally guest hosting. He's almost finished his new book, Plum. He's got television and film scripts up the wazoo. Yet he finds time to pay tribute to a wonderful rooster. We said they've copped their licks with Crichton and JWH this week. The Nick Pilatus packages would be some balm to their frayed and burned souls. But those words about Boyd Cordner, they resonate with not just Roosters fans, Dennis, but all of us. And what a tremendous contribution from Brendan. And we, we do salute as we um, just dab our eyes, Dennis. We, we really do just dab our eyes. Should be more of it. More rugby league poetry. Bring back Redfern Pat as well. Oh, Bronco Reg. Always good. Bronco Reg, I mean, no, Bro- Redfern Pat's already here. Red, Bronco Reg, the other one. Red, 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 Red. Bronco Reg, how are you? Red. Uh, Redfern Pat, can you make a rhyme? Bro- Bro- Bronco Reg was due to get married last weekend. I actually turned up at the Maryville Town oh, Hall. No. Uh, I hadn't got the memo about the COVID thing, but he's had to put it on delay. <laughs> and uh, I'm telling you, <laughs> if Redfern Pat got into the poetry game, it'll be some sort of out there haiku. I'm sure of it. Oh, it wouldn't rhyme. It would be fantastic. It wouldn't have to. No, it wouldn't have to. But uh, I don't really want to talk about rugby league. What I'd rather talk about is Des Hasler. Because <laughs> <laughs> you had the game between the Storms and the Seagulls, two of the most low, most commonly despised teams in the competition. But we found some very lovable things about them that um, I mentioned last week or the week before that uh, – I think it was Schuster was saying that at three o'clock in the morning, he thought he saw Des peering through the curtains of his apartment in lockdown. And apparently this is quite a common thing. Now, initially this was thought because, you know, Des was checking up on the boys to make sure they're getting their sleep. They're not up to shenanigans. They haven't gone the Jai Arrow or the Happy Curacao and pulled in some uh, exotic dances. But no, it's because poor old Des, he's just... A, he's lonely and he's a strange old man. And B, he just wants someone to talk footy with. And he's been, he has now been, quite joyously by the manly players, he has been banned from talking to them about footy, on the, about anything on their day yeah, off. Yeah, they mandated them, mandated them Des free days. I tell you what, you can tell, <laughs> you can tell that he's tired. Did you see him in the presser afterwards? He sort of put on the new shirt with the manly tie and it's done up because normally has it sort of untied to a degree. With his top button, risky business yet. style, but it's all done up. And the two, um, like the wings of the collar, sort of flared out in perfect symmetry with the way his hair was flaring out at each side, <laughs> harking back to his eighties mullet. He, he really, he, it's really like, my God, you're late for the school assembly. And his mum's whacked his shirt and tie on and <laughs> run a hand through his hair, but it doesn't quite get the effect. I mean, to me, the interesting thing about and we're always looking for angles, Dennis. And Manly and Melbourne, and it's difficult in lockdown, I know, because you don't get access to players in the way that you should and the fans can't be as immediate a part of it. But there were basically two angles. Battle of Brookvale. It's 11 years old, 10 years old, but great moment. We all loved it. Amazingly, everyone seemed to be watching that night. I certainly was. I did get out of my chair. I had to go to the bathroom. And while I was in the bathroom, no, no, you know, the Blair Stewart (laughs) thing, I was out of my chair. And the other one is enormous interest in the two coaches. I mean, most of the- Oh, yeah. The column inches were taken up with stuff about Des and Bellyache. For example, mm. Roy Masters, no greater a scribe than the Professor Roy Masters, uh, highlighted the similarities and differences. He described them both as part pedagogue, part demagogue, which sent me to the. <laughs> I mean, there is like a two hander, isn't it? You know, come along tonight, oh. spend 90 minutes in the car. 
company of Des Hassler and Craig Bellyag Bellamy. Welcome to Pedagogue and Demagogue. And <laughs> and uh, looking at similarities and differences. So music is something that binds the two together, Dennis. Did you know this? Well, I, I've heard this whisper. that So Des, because Des, I know I've told this on the podcast before how I was in a press conference once and um, my phone, I put my phone on the desk to record and it was Des and he was about to blow up and on came C.W. McCall's convoy, which is my ringtone. <laughs> and Des stopped his, stopped his blow up and- I went and got my phone and apologised and tried to hide and find a hole. And Des looked at me from under the main and said, CW McCall's convoy? <laughs> Breaker 1-9, this here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me? Pick. I said, yes, it was. He's like, oh, how'd you get this ringtone? Could you, could you send that to me? <laughs> and completely aside, light, jovial, everyone's sitting there going, the tension was palpable, but he was quite relaxed. And he's like, then gone, okay, and then exploded about whatever happened that day. And that's, so he obviously has a musical pedigree. And- there's a claim he plays guitar. Yeah. Now, you'd think, particularly with the McCall reference there, that he'd be, you know, somewhere between Hank Williams and Steve Earle and sort of down that sort of country Americana axis. Oh, that voice, I'm thinking Tom Waits. Oh. <laughs> very, very good pick, you know, mule variations perhaps or something like that. Yes. But yes. I wonder what he's building in there. But <laughs> the piano <laughs> has been drinking. <laughs> You come a while, sing Matilda, with me. <laughs> I want to record with Desi. That's what I want to do now. It's, it's a no-brainer. Christmas songs. Christmas songs with Desi. And, 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 and to be honest, just as we're doing this, I, I have this horrible vision that they've already done something like that on the Maddie John show. But uh, but I actually think that what he's tried to do is reach out to the young'uns because he's trying to bond with these guys. Like Joel Schuster, by the way, <laughs> the word that comes to mind is precocious. That guy has got talent. And yeah. so he's gone down the sort of Jack Jones Ocean Alley route and he's oh, okay. and he's dropping those tunes in and around the buffet up at the- uh, Not not realising that they're early 2000s, most of these children were th in their nappies. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the players are just looking for a bit of Kid Leroy. Well, with- <laughs> With the exception of Daily Terry Evans, who I guarantee is a big Shania Twain fan. There's just no question, I dare say, that he was a Shania Twain fan. And then Bellamy, apparently, according to Roy, doesn't miss a musical in Melbourne. I mean, he's there for all of them. And, and, and he was- that, I, 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 wonder, I wonder whether Bellamy, if he doesn't miss a musical, because- the. Rugby League, the musical, was supposed to go to Melbourne in the disastrous 2016 tour. And Cam, I'd, I'd mentioned this to Cam Smith. Um, I bumped into Cam when I was dressed up, when I was dressed up as Wayne Jr. Pierce at Lake Hanover one day. <laughs> and, and, and you and weren't performing either. You just happened to be dressed <laughs> up. <laughs> no, I, actually, I, I was performing and he, he walked past me and looked at me and goes, Ah, oh, g'day, Junior. Realised there was some mischief afoot, so his smile was lunacy. And he looked at me and said, Junior. He's skipping legs days and then ran off on the field. I mentioned the Rugby League, the musical. He he lit up. He looked like he would be very much a fan of it. So uh, and it I reckon Bellamy. Now, it begs the question. Now, Bellamy, of course, himself was caught humorously by his players asleep on the team bus recently. Or sorry, not asleep, but listening to music, <laughs> sort of, you know, blocking out the Kid Leroy caper or whatever they were dropping on the beatbox, trying to emulate the success of the Penrith Panthers. And he was uh, caught humming along to and even singing in a not particularly pleasing baritone to, I think the BG's got to get a message to you. But the, quest <laughs> but, but the question is, a lot of musicals in Melbourne, Dennis, even during lockdown, and what would he go to? And I've actually sort of narrowed it down that he likes anything that's got a firearm in it. 
like a Chicago or an Oklahoma or, oh, yeah. or particularly yep. any get your gun. And he gets you going. Because, right. And why is this? Because he was asked in the lead up to the match, which in the end the storms prevailed over the Sea Eagles in a fairly tight tussle, how are you going to deal with Tom Travojevic? And he goes, well, I guess I can't use the shotgun I've got at home. So <laughs> the, there were two things about this. One, it, it says that Craig Bellamy has limits in terms of what he's prepared to do in coaching because they're, you know, they're broad limits, but he does have limits. And secondly- just everyone keep an eye on him, okay? I, I, I just get uncomfortable to think about Bellamy having a shotgun at home. But I think he likes that sort of fire army type theme in the musicals because you can't get them to them all. Well, if you do, you no wonder he no wonder they call him cranky. What an intriguing thought that he has a shotgun at home. I wonder what the licensing he arrangement could are have been just being like, he- illiter- you know, illusory or something. Well, he could have been, but he also he is a country boy. He is from out, um, where do they make the concrete, the, the concrete town? He's like- uh, Canberra? Out in the west. No, not, <laughs> not quite that far. Um, not quite that far in the country, but he's-, he's um, Mudgy? Dubbo? He, he may well have a- Parks? Um, a bit of property somewhere. West Wylam? If you have property, you'd quite, you'd quite legitimately have a shotgun to get rid of the rabbits because it's easier to get a rabbit with a shoddy than it is with a, uh, with a 22. I tell you what. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I tell you what, I mean, Bobby Fulton was famous for enjoying a pig shoot. Maybe that's one of the uh, Bellamy coaching techniques that he's keeping a little bit hidden. But uh, big shout out to the super coaches, Dennis. No. No. (laughs) Was it called- Portland. Portland Cement, of course. Yeah. I was going to say, was it called Cementville? Well, no, that's Gillespieville. Mm. Um, Oh, God, I've, I've got to be a little bit disturbed by the thought of uh, <clears throat> Bellamy with his shotgun, given the excitement he has <laughs> in the dress, in the-, uh, the <laughs> That's right. Box. He actually- the, There's all the security going on now with the COVID protocols, but the Melbourne have installed their own internal security system before they get into the coaching box, where he actually has to walk through, like in the airport, the metal detector, to make sure he hasn't concealed a Glock. <laughs> On his person, <laughs> because, because <laughs> and I suspect, I suspect he has. It, he does seem he's he's not a he's not a cheater. I suspect if he has the shoddy, he would have the shoddy in one locked cabinet. He'd have the firing pin in another locked cabinet. He'd keep the the uh, the munitions in another locked cabinet, probably on three separate properties, just, just like all the members of the NRA do. Hey, yeah, just just to make sure that he doesn't actually turn up to the game with one. <laughs> Prevent him. Now, Dennis, can I tell you, uh, I want to send out a little love letter, a little um, shout out today because I'm feeling very, very um, at peace with the world after the Tigers' victory over the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. Tigers had a win. They had a win. Had a win. Beautiful. Mm. I want to send it out to all the hardworking journalists and broadcasters that are working in our game, Dennis. And this really was sheeted home this morning when I picked up the newspaper and on the back was a picture of a beaming Ivan Cleary. So I immediately proceeded to shred the newspaper. And then when I went onto my tablet to actually relook at the back page to see what the article was about, the heading was Penny Mason. And this is off the back that, unbeknownst to everyone, including all 34 players involved in the game, Roosters v Penrith last weekend, Appy Corusau apparently was the start of a malaise that may well have involved JWH getting in a little bit of the hot water that you so enjoyed. And so he's been charged mm. with this. And they've gone to Nick Gabar, the go-to lawyer, and saying, look, Nick, can you help us out? We've got to defend Appy. He's had a pretty rough time. We need him in the lead up to the semifinals. And Nick's gone, 
you've got absolutely no chance. So the, Pan- the Panthers have decided to defend it anyway. And in a Back to the Future move, channeling the likes of Gus Gould, who got Greg Alexander off a charge for what was clearly a coat hanger tackle, tackle many, many years ago, Ivan Cleary is going to represent Appy Coruscant at the judiciary. That's astonishing news. Is he taking the bus into town, or how? How is it? So that I'm assuming the judiciary, having moved out of Phillips Street into Rugby League HQ and Moore Park, I'm assuming the judiciary. We've got like a circuit court thing, have we? No, I think I think I think this judiciary has moved to Port Douglas, and they're, they're, right. they're staying at the Sheridan <laughs> Sheridan Mirage. And and, and okay. as much as they could have stayed in Sydney and done it by video link, I think they've said, "Oh, we you know we want to show solidarity, so we'll stay in a five star resort." and and you can yep. appear there. So I, I don't know how Ivan would go as as a legal counsel, but it sort of, to me, it gives it sort of a mind of, you know, if they're talking Penny Mason, is he going to be a Raymond Burr type character? I don't see him as a Tom Cruise, you can't handle the truth, which of course was Jack Nicholson. Uh, uh, I see him as fairly downbeat. I don't see him as a big personality. But in, a, in an apology to everybody who hates a pun, Dennis, it did give me pause to think of some of the other brilliant names that are still to be used by lawyers and rugby league coming together. So I want to send this little shout out to the journos. Uh-huh. Uh, Petrocelli, as in Petro Sinovaceva, Larson's Law, McGaw Mag- <laughs> and Order, Jared McBeal, Oh. Get this, Gomez Adamson after Matt Adamson. Because Gomez, <laughs> Gomez Adams was a lawyer who knew that yes. on the Adams family. And then just Brett Finch because it's Atticus Finch, but you can't, you can't do that. <laughs> and, and this is, you know, these journals, they work so hard. I mean, Penny Mason. And, and then also they're brave, Dennis. So I don't know, you would have yep. um, heard the fact that your star centre, Curtis Scott, has been charged for, uh, you know, a fray and assault or some such uh, for that incident at Kokomo's a couple of months ago. Yeah, and Adrian Prasenko, wonderful Herald journalist, has suggested that Billy Button. He still he looks like he's getting younger and yeah, younger. He's tremendous. He's absolutely brilliant. He suggested that the Raiders may well they're prepared to have Scott's contract ripped up, as opposed to torn up. <laughs> and I mean the adventurous adventurous oh. nature of that to go outside the the box to be different. I love the bravery. Pro- wow. Probably the best piece of journalism this week, Dennis, that I came across was Danny Wildler's work. In the Herald on Sunday. <laughs> when has that ever been said? What a miraculous week! Full stop. And and Wildler, of course, has um, gone and really, really unpacked the issues around the manly Warringah Centre of Excellence that's been built. You know, because right now, as everyone says, Brad Parker is their Centre of Excellence. Well, maybe, <laughs> well, maybe it's Morgan Harper, Parker and Harper. You know, like, oh, like that's a good like peaches and cream. Yeah. Uh, can I th- can I throw another law firm please. at you? Instead of Dennis Denudo, Dennis DeGoyce. Yeah, yeah thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Emerson Lake and Ron Palmer. And um oh. and which is a cheers reference. But anyway, the center of excellence, Wildler says there's a bit of a stouch as to what it's going to be named. And apparently the front runner is going to be called the Rick and Heather Penn Center of Excellence. After Rick and Heather Penn. Yes, after the Penn family, who are the major benefactors, Scott Penn, of course, providing the cash right now for the Manly Warringah tilt and the Centre of Excellence. And Scott said, I, you know, I think this is an appropriate 
memorial to, uh, or not memorial, but a recognition of my parents' contribution to the Manly Club, keeping it afloat. And Danny said, I don't know. I, I think there are other names because we've already got the Menzies Lions stand. Beautiful, isn't it? You know? Yeah. You know, oh, that's it a should be Lions, yeah. Menzies, I assume. Lions to Menzies. And we've got the Bobby Fulton grandstand. He said, so they should really name the Centre of Excellence after something other than the Penn family. And the candidates he came up with were the Fatty Vorton Centre of Excellence, <laughs> which- Would it be straight up Fatty Vorton or would it be Paul Fatty Vorton? Uh, it'd just be Fatty Vorton. And it'd be the beautiful- Yeah. I don't know. Is that oxymoronic, <laughs> how that sounds? But, you know. <laughs> but Wilder also suggested the Fred's, Fred Jones Centre of Excellence. And let me tell you, in the pantheon of great manly players, Fred Jones- is there a standing astride them all. And I think that would just be absolutely sensational. And it is a name of excellence, Fred Jones. Beautiful. And f- finally, Danny also mused in his column that there are Parramatta people. And who do you think Parramatta people are, Dennis? Oh, he's talking about the Parramattical, the, the, the original inhabitants. No. Because of Parramatta. Parramatta, of course, means place of eels. No, no. Like that, that's where the name comes from. So he's talking about the Parramatta. No, no, no. Nice. No. Nice throwback. And he's not. No, no. He'd be talking about Bear, Bob O'Reilly, Crow, Mick, Mick, oh. Mick Cronin, uh, Peter Sterling, of course, Dennis Fitzgerald, yep. and Mary Constantopoulos. Uh-huh. They would be my five, par- <laughs> my five Parramatta people. <laughs> and apparently the Parramatta people are seeking to engineer coach Brad Arthur out of the job because they currently have a title-winning squad. And Danny Widler goes- <laughs> <laughs> This is a squad. This is a squad, can I point out, <laughs> that the Raiders beat just a couple of weeks ago. I'm sorry. You know how much I love the Raiders. Love them dearly, but they beat the Eels. The Eels. It's a bit like when you say, you know, you can't- uh, no one's ever won a premiership when they've lost by 50 points. I'm saying this year, you're not winning a premiership if the Raiders are beating you. <laughs> I, t- I, tell you I tell you what, uh, that little musing in the paper was converted into a full-blown article entitled Window Dressing by Paul Kent today, making exactly the same point. Parramatta people, whoever they are, should be throwing garlands at the feet of Brad Arthur for getting them into a recurrent position in the finals because there is no way that they have a squad that's capable of winning a premiership. And again, if we're putting out just words of concern, spare a thought for Brad Arthur. If you caught him last night on NRL 360, whatever resort there are, he was out wandering some anonymous Queensland plaza last night. Uh, and it really, we posted the, the picture on our Fire Up page and Twitter, the loneliness of the yeah. first grade coach. I mean, you've got Des wandering the corridors. You've got Bellyache <laughs> with a shoddy. And Brad Arthur <laughs> can't amount to a homeless person. It really, really is a tough job. Now, I feel like I've just been doing Media Watch, Dennis. And I, no, and, no, no. And, and I feel that we need to expand our next segment and maybe go to a break now and bring in Media well, Watch just Redfern before Pat. We do, just before we do, can I just say, like, you were just being kind to the journos, and earlier I was casting aspersions on, on Gal and Sonny Bill and calling them dark and dim-witted. And I think we really, it's, it's a bit rich, us chastising them. It was nice of you to say some love, to send some love to them, because we need to send some apologies as well. Because do we? last week there was some, there was some technical 
difficulties that we had last week. Ooh. And uh, <clears throat> the, the, it was uploaded and uh, the file was uploaded and there was some sync issues. You know, we talk about attacks being clunky or defences being clunky. Well, our podcast was clunky. And have you had anything to say about this, Pat? Yeah, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Thanks to everyone who got in touch. Um, There's yeah, just a little oversight on my part. Well, we have had one fan get in touch with the show, Pat, and they're, they're a little bit unhappy with you. Blokes didn't go out there and do your job. Is that fair in what I'm saying? Yes, Madge. Is that fair in what I'm saying? Yes, Madge. Well, when are you guys going to turn up week in, week out and stop fucking patting yourselves on the back? Because that's what goes on in this place. Sorry, Madge. Oh, wow. Okay, now, I've, now I've, apology accepted, Pat. That's beautiful. I think why don't, why don't we now... Yeah, last week we discussed the um, the goings on of the the chaos because of Anastasia Palaszczuk shutting down rugby league. So uh, I've written a little song about it. Pete was having breakfast last Saturday morning, pouring milk onto his flakes of corn. The phone rang. He picked it up, and he said hi. It was Andrew Abdo, his right-hand man. He said the Queensland government are shutting us down. They've canned all sport. Oh, Pete, I think I'll cry. South Sydney had already landed up there in Rocky. Pete said, keep them all on board. Don't let them go. Yes, leave them on the jet plane I don't know when they can play again But just don't let them go The other Saturday games had been let down They tried to move them to other towns Though they tried and tried they couldn't get it done Pete called Anastasia, said, Anna, this year You've had all three origins up here Let us play tomorrow or next year You'll have none Then the league games were on the next day Thank God they all came back again League games on the next day Trust any wider. Yeah, well. It's so important with regards to you're right. I got the wrong yes. wrong game. Call your phone today. No. Okay, your phone for that Um I have no intelligence, that's what I'm suggesting. I didn't get the call up this week. Yeah, I know. They, they gave it to Jeremy Fernando, right? Yeah. Yeah, because Paul Barry got knocked off his bike. Be careful out there. So, what do you got for us in Media Watch, Pat? What have you seen? So, last week we're talking about the eels and what's the word around the eels is it's dumb. Yes. So, we've got uh, coach says it's dumb. Because you didn't play smart, played dumb, real dumb. We've got captain says it's dumb. And we've got Lars say they're dumb. They were accused of playing dumb footy last week, bro. Have they, they learned anything? That kind of universal uh, criticism hasn't been seen since the. The West Tigers fans booing, booing anything that uh, that moves at Leichhardt. So you think it's that's a slam dunk? That's open and shut. 
Parramatta yep. are a dumb team. Yep. Not the case. Ooh. I wouldn't say they've been played it dumb for you. So it turns out they're not dumb, according to Braith, who has been getting a hell of a lot of um, uh, editorial credit this year. Of course, he was um, he was nearly the architect in the, the fall of the West Tigers. There was the Titans press conference where they were saying that the Tigers have gotten so bad that even Braith and Astor is criticizing them. And based on the documentary, which we're just about to jump into, it's getting bleak there in Tiger Town. Like it doesn't, it's really hard to watch. And we know that the season's going to get a lot worse, but this is how bad the season is getting. At least it's still alive. <laughs> not only are they not winning football games, but they're in mortal danger. <laughs> <laughs> the poor old Bulldogs, they've won. You could give them last year's victories onto this year and they're still coming last, <laughs> but at least they're not in mortal danger. <laughs> I tell you what. I, I'm clutching at straws here, but of course, last night was the second second episode of Wild West Tales from Tiger Town, and it starts with the surprise loss to the North Queensland Cowboys. I know Pat, you weren't ready for that. I was shocked. Yeah, shocked. But then things kind of lifted when we went down to Wynn Stadium and had a victory over the Plucky Dragons. And I said, you know what? We went to two and six that day. Since that day, we've been six and seven. We're almost playing 50% football. I'm okay with that. Yeah, but are the Dragons are good? Are they a good team? And fuck me. We won a fucking game against St. George. They're fucking down the bottom of the ladder too. <laughs> Can I just- Hang on a second. We- Hang on a second. So he's saying that they're not a good team. Because <laughs> yes. I believe there's evidence. I believe there's evidence contrary to that. St. George is a good team and- can you just play that again? St. George is a good team. And- <laughs> this is Ricky Stewart at his comedic best. He just deadpanned. He just, the Raiders have beaten, they've crawled over the line against the Dragons, and he's deadpanned. St. George are a good team. And it just snuck in. But remember, he's the. we pointed out last week that he said that I could say the grass is green and everyone would say I'm a dope. Well, Ricky, you're a dope. <laughs> yeah. um, by the way, I listened. Yes, sorry to interrupt, but if anyone who hasn't seen it, should I just want to catch... Everyone up with what happened last night. He's fired up, Michael. Oh, he's ready to go. That's a fair summary, I believe. Yeah, he was fired up. And right. there, I'm telling you, there was more cursing yep. in that episode than an episode of Deadwood. Oh, yeah. And the the interesting thing was there were so many curse words that they actually did remove some of them from the audio. And people were- All the kind of Michael Hunts were. Yeah, right, right. But it seemed like a few of the um, Michael Luckings were gone as well, right? A couple, yeah. I don't know what the logic was there. Well, my understanding, I had a look at the Australian Broadcasting Code, and there is actually a quota that you can't exceed on curse words (laughs) per 48 minutes of broadcast material during a conventional hour on the clock. And so, in order to get the episode through, they actually had to get rid of some of them, but they could broadcast some of the Michael Lucking. But I must say, that particular piece of audio where he was ripping into them, he sort of- they're all up on their toes after they beat the Dragons and they were about to face the Titans. They're having a meeting in the Latcham Robinson stand and, you know, Madge is going, you've shown what you can be, boys, and how great is winning and I want you more of it and I believe in you and you're going to back up. And then they jump forward to the Titans game. We're down 18-0 after 15 minutes, right? But that spray, and when I heard that and, and he said uh, what he said about St. George, I immediately <laughs> thought of former... Host guest host of Fire Up on the FBI Radio Days, A.H. Cayley, who would have reflexively just gone Illawarra. Like, she, she, he would have gone, St. George, and she goes, Illawarra. Like, he didn't give the full appellation to the team. But does that include negative feedback? 
It doesn't matter what you're saying about the dragons as far as A.H. Kale is concerned. She would insist that they be described correctly as St. George Illawarra. What else, Pat? Uh, well, that, the, that episode was extremely well put together. And as you know, you've got to leave people with a cliffhanger and, and some sort of human interest twist. Spoilers ahead, obviously. we got this to finish off the, uh, the episode. I stepped out to half the players in our team. <laughs> That's Moses Mimbai just saying that Madge just cares. And that's what I took away from the episode, everybody. Madge Maguire cares. And we saw some of the other characters in the club. And as I predicted, they just didn't dwell on the same characters that they looked at in the first episode, like our CEO, Keith Urban. Uh, we, we um, Wayne Snoopy Collins, who'd be very familiar to you, Dennis. Uh, love him. He's in the 89 calendar. Luciano Leilua and Adam Dewey. And, like, I'm telling you, I reckon I could run a presidential ticket with Patty Mills and Adam Dewey and throw in Nicola McDermott and we would sweep the power right now. And they had the exchange between Dewey and Reynolds where Reynolds was lining up the go-ahead goal in that incredible South Tigers game. And uh, at the end of it where South prevailed in those extraordinary circumstances, Reynolds, all class, came up and consoled his mate Dewey. It was just beautiful. I teared up then. I also teared up when poor old Luke Brooks, who, you know, gets such a bad rap and he's just not the vocal leader type, but he's it's it's down at Leichhardt after the um, debacle against the Cowboys and it just got to him and he just sort of, sort of, oh, and just walked off the mic and, you know, the heartstrings were being pulled. I cried, I laughed. Uh, West Wild West. Tales from Tiger Town. Two more episodes to go. I think I can wait. <laughs> well, we will once it's been to air. We'll get and and presuming we're out of Gladys's lockdown at some point, we'll get the editor of the show on here to discuss it, and he can give you all the rundown. That's the main reason I want to get out of lockdown. We can start getting guests into this show. This yes. has been uh, it's just been hell just with the two of you guys. <laughs> so, is there any more media watch, Pat? No, that's it for me. Feedback. 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 Janet Jackson. Sorry, have I jumped the gun, Dennis? Would you like to throw to me? No, no, no. I was, was going to say, have you got any Janet Jackson facts for us, Chris? I'm getting to become a very popular segment of the show. I'm getting into. A, I'm getting a huge amount of feedback. In fact, I'm getting no feedback on my Janet Jackson <laughs> part of the feedback segment, but I plough on regardless. And I'm getting good now. I'm remembering to do my research before we go to uh, record this thing. Her next album has been delayed by the pandemic. So many things have oh. been delayed by the pandemic. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the new album is called Black Diamonds. Ooh. And when asked why has she gone with the name Black Diamonds, Janice says, because black diamonds are the hardest to cut, hurt, or destroy. They're a rock with a rough edge that keeps moving forward. And the album is, for, to give it its full title, Black Diamonds, a tribute to Wayne Bennett. Oh, so it's not a tribute. It's not a, a throwback to the, the Kiss 1975 classic. No. A metaphor that strong, it can't be that long till a club adopts that as their season arc. <laughs> well, Black Diamond is singular, of course. So is the Storm. Well, it's, it's one team, one jersey. So what do you got in the feedback, Pat? So last week we were talking about Kyle Lovett's vehicle, Licorice. Lyle, yep, Kyle. Licorice. Mm -hmm. Licorice, yep. So we had some feedback about who's going to be in it, what it's, what's it going to be about. So Stuart Marler says that Madge is going to play Ewan McGregor from Train Sporting. In the, uh, the toilet scene. So, how disheveled he's looking. Uh, Terry Bull said Mario Fenix got to make an appearance, which I guess is in reference to his previous acting credit, which was when he played himself in the 2008 television movie, I Love Yous All. 
<laughs> the Wayne Bennett story. Uh, Terry Fletcher wants to know what what's licking, and I guess we went into the licorice. The uh, was it sweet root or lick yeah. lick her ish or whatever. Uh, we can't get uh, one post without a mention of this. Daniel Michaels says that it should be about the fateful day with John Monaghan, his last day with the Raiders. Ooh. Ooh. Todd Slater wants to know who's doing the soundtrack, which I think maybe might be an ongoing uh, investigation. Well, if I can, he suggested that maybe Lyle Lovett might do the soundtrack, which would be terrific. Yeah. The, the former partner of Julia Roberts. And uh, I think that, there's uh, a really, really interesting aspect to that. And it actually occurred to me, this whole idea about escort, when I was watching the St. George Canberra game, the referee actually called out, that's a penalty, and the St. George players what, said, what for? And they said, because you just did a Kyle Lovett. It's really catching right. on. <laughs> well, a Kyle Lovett could be, because if I was going to direct it, for, for starters to be called Love It, and then oh, this, the movie would open with Kyle Lovett, Doing what the old lover, which is letting Dave Simmons score four tries at Leichhardt Oval, <laughs> which they had an injury at center and they brought Kyle Lovett on. And Jason Taylor was so uh, stubborn about Chris Lawrence staying in the second row. So he wouldn't move Chris Lawrence out to center. So he put Kyle Lovett in the unfamiliar position of both being in first grade and playing in the centers. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave Simmons gave him an absolute bath. <laughs> and then it finishes up oh. with his uh, his final days to the Glebe Burwood Dirty Reds. Lyle Lovett was playing for the D Glebe Burwood Dirty Reds. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kyle, yeah. Kyle was not Lyle. Though no, I think I think Lyle was as well. <laughs> <laughs> but they both were. But the other irony, the other irony of that story, Pat, is you go Dave Simmons and I go who? At least <laughs> yeah. we're talking about Kyle. Yeah. Oh, that we're back to Black Diamond and Gene Simmons. And then we'll go. <laughs> And then, of course, we've got our uh, our group blowing up Deluxe. What? <laughs> He's blowing up. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that because Trent Robinson blows up Deluxe. As Adam O'Brien blows up Deluxe. I've got to be honest with you, I have loved every minute, every minute, uh, including when you blew up Deluxe. Uh. So following uh, Gus's Twitter, and it's hard to follow at the moment because Gus has really dived deep into international diplomacy, hasn't he? With the Has he? Yeah, it's a lot about COVID and the uh, international rugby league and stuff. It's it's very tiresome. I don't know how he does it. But Jerry Bull pointed out that Gus tweeted that JWH could be a lawyer. He's been to the judiciary that many times. So what do you reckon about that? Well, I should add him to the list. Absolutely. Along with Gomez <laughs> Adamson. It's good legal name. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, Rory it could Hargraves. be Warrior Hargraves and Partners. And you or, think or you could yeah. just- he could just be Jared Waria Hargraves working for the firm of Jared Waria and Hargraves. Yes. Yeah, for his mum and dad. Another Gus tweet come from Marcus Finocciara. That's that's uh, six seasons of The Sopranos in two weeks. Got my pronunciations, Italian pronunciations good. <laughs> Finocciara. Uh, you, you blokes are literary fans. Do you know which, oh, yeah. uh, which literary mind does this come from? Start quote. Knight wanted Bronco to lay down and accept defeat. Bronco <laughs> said, no way. Knight not happy with that at all. Uh, that's, that's it's Kerouac, isn't it? It's Gus. It's 50 Shades of, it's 50 shades of Grey, isn't it? <laughs> 50 Shades of Gus. <laughs> God help us. <laughs> 
my, my desires are unconventional. <laughs> so is that all the feedback? Uh, a couple more. Sam Tui pointed out that uh, Jordan Rapana was booed by the fake crowd on Thursday. <laughs> okay, it was Jordan yes, Rapana. It was Jordan Rapana. <laughs> and it's just an interesting, interesting sidebar that uh, Jordan Rapana, he, um, much like uh, Will Chambers, he went to play Japanese rugby. And he was saying on the weekend, he put on 12 kilos just sitting in Japan <laughs> eating sushi and he came back, you know, 12 kilos heavier. No, to be the, the chicken. They love their fried chicken over there. That, it's, oh, it's just karaji. delicious. Yeah, kaji, exactly. Yeah. Which is Korean, I think. But, uh, and then one last piece of feedback. Feedback. So we had Dogstar saying that he's looking for a, a new washing machine. Right. Right, Dennis. Yeah. And he wanted to know, um, and he wanted to know what kind of washing machine to get. And uh, so, as anyone would, you turn to a first-grade rugby league coach. Continue to say the same things around our team. What works for us for a team, we're very good when we front load. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is an absolute buzzword at the moment. This we ha- we play yeah, we play is. Louis Bingo on the ABC, and you know, spot on. And uh, oh, there's not he's he's got a few, but front loading our energy. Front loading is a big one. They love saying front loading. I, I tell you what, though, that comes from that interview that he did last night on 360, and I now feel a lot more comfortable because he was clearly out there looking for a laundromat. He wasn't just wandering the streets aimlessly. Yeah. And you might be on Media Watch next week, Chris. There was no Brad Arthur interview on 360 last night. That was from his press conference during the week. Oh, no, no. Then it was it was on um, uh, 100% Footy, the rival network uh, show. Ah, yes. Okay, That's yes. where it was from. Yes. Well, he used exactly the same expression. Okay, yes. Exactly <laughs> yep. the same. Oh, did, and did we, did we get some audio... From the Mad Dragons podcast? Oh, yes. G'day, Dragons fans. It's game day. Let's do something a little bit different today. Let's let's focus on our opposition. Let's look at the Canberra Raiders. And, and you know, I, I just want everybody to get up on their feet. Get up on your feet and let's give the Canberra Raiders a round of applause. That's making fun of the Viking clap. Yeah! Inspirational stuff. What do you got for me, Raiders fans? Come at me, show me what you got. You know what you got? The same thing as your bloody useless team. Absolutely nothing. You'd ask yourself one question. Do you want to play finals? Because I can tell you the Canberra Raiders don't want to play finals. They don't look like they want to play finals. They don't want to bloody be here. Do we want to play finals, Dragons fans? Today is the day that we answer that question with an emphatic yes. Hell yes, we want to play finals. We want to be there when the whips are cracking. And today is when we make our statement. So come on, Dragons fans, fire up! (laughs) Well, in response to that, in response to that, all, all I can say is, Twenty eight. All I all I can say to you is this: we beat the dragons. That's all. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> and they're a good team. <laughs> oh, that that is one of the funniest one-liners of the year. And it was so quick. Bang! He just came out and said it. Well, if that's you done, Pat. I know. Where's your haiku? Let's. Where's the haiku? Where's the haiku? Scoring tries is fun. You want to score tries, don't you? Go fucking do it. 
Oh, boy. That's, I want to get out there right now and rip and tear. That's, I'm so excited. That's, I'm really fired up. Let's go to Chris's kooky correspondence corner. So it was a little uh, less populated this week, boys. Um, I want to thank whoever. I think it might have. I'm not quite sure who's connected us to that Mad Dragons podcast audio, but Dogstar certainly was in the mix, and he also sent me some video from an old Steve Weizard show the day that Julian Clary met Rex Mosser. <laughs> and I certainly encourage you to seek out that particular piece of video, but he wanted to know my thoughts. And I said, Dave Letterman should have sued Steve Weizard for every cent he owned. It was just such a poor ripoff of the Letterman Late Show. It really, really was. Yeah, that was deplorable. And Terry- Terry, Didn't you get into some trouble anyway? Oh, I certainly hope so. You know, the top seven, brilliant. Um, Terry Ball highlighted the fact that Matty Nable was on the Sunday night with Matty John's show with a shock of bleach blonde hair and he was descri- described as the voice of league, wasn't he, Pat? Something like that. And he was, uh, I think, having a crack at me for having dyed hair and anyone who can see me right now, and I know Redfern, Pat and Dennis Han- can, it belies the myth that I would ever consider dyeing my hair, like I'd ever be for Matt Nable. Anyway, Nabel said it was for a dramatic role. Who knows? Uh, a couple of bits of feedback that I reached out to the Fire Up faithful to provide us with never came in, so I worked it out myself. The Jason Stevens vehicle, of course, was called Chasing, Chasing Comets. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. And looping back to, to Janet Jackson, whatever happened to Rene Elizondo, <laughs> to give him his full name, Rene Elizondo Jr., he was a backup dancer for Janet's sister, LaToya. And then he and Janet fell in love, got married. It was on the rocks. Well, the good news is, is that Renee remarried Britt Cahello and they had a baby in 2011. Well, congratulations to And you. I got to think. <laughs> you heard it here first. I'm thinking that's the last time we are in the playoffs. So <laughs> if Britt and Renee could just get on the job, we might uh, get a little bit of joy. So that's it. Um, my bit of feedback is uh, I've been campaigning against the word resilience. My latest campaign, and you'll hear it endlessly on this show, I am mortally opposed, as the Tigers are in mortal danger, to the use of the expression, you got this. And the superannuation ad during the Olympics that got run ad nauseum, as many did, where the young girl gets awarded the penalty in soccer or football, as they like to say, and she goes up and then she has to remember all the people, you know, the village that took it to this particular point, and they go, you got this. Well, what about the goalie? Ain't she got it? What's going on there? It's meaningless. It's absolutely meaningless. And as far as I'm concerned, no one's got this. And finally. <laughs> Having had the rant. In a seg- Yeah, thank you. In a segment that's going through oh, the roof. Yes, this is the favourite. This is why we end with the big one. You always save the best till last. This is, this is it. Put the icing on the cake, Chris. Well, guess what, Dennis? I've got oh. this. And the, seg- and the segment is a new reason to hate the Sydney Roosters. And what do you got? Boyd Court. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, let's finish this episode of Fire Up. Again, please join our Facebook community, Blowing Up Deluxe. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Fire Up NRL and give us a rating, share it, and we hope to l- you'll listen to us again next week. Be a fucking team that puts on fucking tries, score fucking tries. Fucking, there's nothing better than scoring another one. It's fucking good fun.